0: Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. As a PM, there's there's a lot of best practices on how to be a product manager. And once you're at a specific company, you might have those general skills that get you checking in and out, getting the things done. But... How can you go deeper? How can you get closer to not just your customers, but the market? That's the thought exercise for us today. Does anyone have a rule of thumb, a process, a practice, a framework, something that works well for them? downstream, I kind of feel like there's two parts in here. One is how do you get
1: up to speed on a new market, new product segment quickly to be effective? And the other one is I think just, I don't know, it's funny as I was talking with some of our PMs and the further you go down the career path, sometimes you don't need to be as much of a domain expert. You might not need to know everything about what you're a PM of a SQL team or something like that. You want to know everything about SQL. And then more often later or not, you want to know everything about databases or you just kind of want to like broaden out. I kind of feel like the further you go, the more it is about broadening maybe versus narrowing.
2: Say more about that broadening. What do you mean?
1: If you're a new PM, you're running one team inside of a narrow focused area. You're going to become a specialist in something like onboarding for your company. And you want to know, you're going to know everything about like, oh yeah, if we tweak these measures, if we give these incentives, you're going to become the specialist of onboarding, right? But then eventually you want to become a specialist in all of user acquisition, right? You don't need to know every detail of onboarding at that point. You just need to know that onboarding is part of the user acquisition journey. Then you take it a step up and you might be owning an entire product suite and onboarding or user acquisition is one part of your product domain, as is core experience, as is something else. And so as you think about it, the further and further up you get in your career path, you don't need to have that micro specific subject matter expertise. But you do need to know, broadly speaking, here's where my company sits in the broader market market and what our market opportunities are, you need to become better at that.
0: That's kind of what I was getting at. I think that strategy side of things, expanding the strategy, broadening the strategy is great. And then you are, you're right when you're in your company and you're focused on one user, one scenario, one need. It is more, you can go deep on that initially. If you're starting to manage portfolios, if you're growing in your career where you're managing different work streams, different types of strategy focused on a segment of customers or segment of a couple different customers, it's more of like you're building products for an industry versus not just one customer in particular when you're managing a portfolio like that. What are the strategies that you all used for like staying up to date with those industry trends, changes, influences?
2: Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, I expect you as you get higher you're talking about trends. And so I like the broadening. I think this also helps narrow maybe where someone who is doing this and spending their time or probably focused on a bit more of a senior level group PM and above type of product leader that's going to spend a lot of time in this space. And my experience, I feel like this is one of the things where you have to start looking a little bit more outward, where a lot of product management on your earlier parts of your career are super inward. How's my team performing? What do I need to do differently? Why this like, depends a lot on identifying who are the key players, What are who are the competitors, what are they doing, and getting really outward focused. I think a lot about building my network, evaluating my inputs, and doing a competitive analysis. Those are probably like, the three big ones in my mind to get better at that.
0: If we were to break those down, build. Building your network. If this is more industry specific and not, I mean, I feel like we do a good job on the product side to build a good product network of generalists. Now, how do you go deeper? Either is it product or just industry and knowledge? How do you build that network? What are ways that you've gone? through that
2: i love building connections outside of my discipline it's like it's so important what are the engineering trends what are the sales trends in my market (laughs) depending on the market you're in right like there's probably other functions i know there's you know there's industry-specific conferences. Even if you don't attend them, you can read the agenda. Are there themes surfacing? What are people talking about at the conference that year? Obviously going to them is high value, but trying to pick up what are those themes? Who is attending them? Who's sponsoring them? I mean, those are all good signals for trying to build that network and figure out who's worth connecting with.
0: Building network was the other point you made there.
2: Competitive analysis.
0: Yes, competitive analysis. There's a lot of ways to do that. What strategies do you prefer?
1: What frameworks do you use to do that? I think it all starts understanding what job needs to be accomplished for your business and your domain first, what goal you're trying to achieve, because then you can bend your strategy around. One of the things could be like the business itself is trying to achieve 20% operational efficiency. Then you've got a framework. You can now start narrowing your scope from everything to what other tactics do people use across their portfolios to increase operational efficiency. Or you can kind of start broadly speaking, and go, well, the business is trying to grow its user base. Okay, what are the ways we can do that? Paid marketing. You kind of problem solve around it. So it comes back to that problem you're trying to solve. And then you kind of start looking for it. And then you can start narrowing your focus to, okay, well, I really need to talk to more people in marketing. I really need to talk to more people in tangential areas of this business. Like maybe our product doesn't have enough legs to continue growing at 20% year over year. So I need to create a new product. Okay, well, is Mm -hmm. it going to be tangential to my market? is it? Be somewhere in there. But I think that's how I would narrow it down. Is like yeah. fundamentally start with what are you trying to achieve, and then use that as a way to focus your search. Instead of trying to boil the ocean, you can do it in a way that's you know more tailored. Then you can apply your product principles to
0: it. Yeah, I think what you describe is kind of like an alternative analysis. How are others solving that problem, and in what way? I think that's helpful. It's kind of a little bit more lens on the customer. There's boxes that people will put your company, your products in that we don't necessarily want to be in long-term. Like they might call, you know, oh, you guys are productivity software. And like, that's not necessarily what we want to be for the long-term or, or something like that. So you don't want to be evaluated in that space. But, you know, as buyers are potential customers of the productivity software are looking for software to purchase, your name gets shown up. And obviously that is good because they're finding you that way. And that's kind of where the competition lies. It's how your product's classified. That's how your company's classified. In that space, there are a suite of tools that are productivity software for this. And there's like a suite of companies that offer that for podcasters, right? Productivity software for podcasters, whatever. There's a little niche there. And there's so many alternative companies that solve for similar problems and there's trends that these companies are attuned to. There's maybe publications around like the hottest trends in podcasting, and there's ways that you can get closer to that. In ad tech, we have things like Ad Exchanger or IAB or industry conferences like AdWorld, stuff like that, which is more focused on advertising trends. There's kind of like this bucket that you get put in that you're seeing from your customers. And I think within that bucket, it's good to have an understanding or a position or a perspective on how you are different and how do you stand out and what are the must haves in this bucket? Are we delivering all the must haves or are we not? And we need to. There's the blue ocean, red ocean kind of strategy too that I kind of am fascinated with, but I think that maybe works a little bit more with zero to ones. Maybe not. I'm still kind of exploring that.
2: model models, very fitting for trying to figure out, are we in the cutting edge space or are we just like shipping what we think is unique, but it's just expected by these at this point
1: what you're getting on here though is as you grow in your career and you're advancing in the space this is kind of part of the job one of the things you want to learn how to do is okay we're building a product in the learning management system market How do I then go and understand everything I need to know about the LMS market in order to provide value? And then how you go about getting that information, whether it's your primary markets, your tertiary markets, your adjacent markets, all of that becomes the skill set that you start to evolve. So I think the first thing is just understanding and realizing that's part of the job. I've actually talked with a lot of PMs recently and in the past where they don't understand yet that that's part of the job. And so as a result, they haven't even gone out to try. And over time, right, you said like conferences, podcasts, YouTube videos, researching Internet articles, blog articles by engineers in the space. Probably all three of us on this call right now, if you wanted to learn about your market, we could rattle off like 50 different ways to do it. I think the biggest challenge is that people growing that career haven't even tried it yet. They haven't even opened their mind to the process that they need to go out and look
0: and make that understand. That could be a part of like their competency matrix or a way that you can career ladder, you know, competency skills that we build into training and coaching as leaders. If they know about it, then that's the next step. And then how do we do it is after that, right? How do we grow that skill? So we talked about some strategies of staying up to date within trends and changes, podcasts, publications. There's always going to be some sort of community too around your industry that tap into, find it. If, if you know your customers, where are they meeting and talking? You want to be there. And so I think those are some good ideas. Now let's go into the second phase of this. How do you prioritize which areas of the product to focus on for improvement after that understanding from the strategy side? Now you have maybe some idea of the trends, you know, all the Hot topics this year is boom, 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 boom. And we're going to be number one here, or we're going to focus our energy here. What are ways that you prioritize that domain expertise, the strategic input that you collect?
2: I just want to call out that I feel like you're tapping on a topic that lacks good frameworks. We have really well known, widely available frameworks for research and prioritization in what Lou called at the beginning, like these narrow parts of product management. But as we scale up, and it's like we need know that you need to have a product strategy that cascades into the outcomes that we're trying to deliver this year, but we don't have very many really good. Um, Lisa, I'm not aware. I'd love if someone told me, I think you're asking the question because we're both like, where are the frameworks? Who has a great framework for identifying? And, and it makes me wonder if this isn't where we start to bleed a bit into business strategy and where can we borrow from other practices where this probably isn't a unique product management problem. This is just where product management deeply in ourselves with business strategy and what is the business trying to deliver right
1: now you hit on a good point and this is a common thing that i said is like frameworks when i was building a competency model we use frameworks as a way i think to teach people how to start thinking like a product manager. and by the later part the exactly what you're describing is what starts separating people into the top tiers the principal pms the people who are really good at thinking that way because they're going to look at something and they're going to go whoa like i can see that In the actions Microsoft has been taking for the last three years, they're going to be doing X, Y, or Z with their Azure platform. You can start predictively analyzing just by looking at all the data in front of you. And you're right, there's no framework that's going to coach that. I think it's just observational abilities and being able to relate them into things that are going to matter for your business to help achieve the goals. At some point, it becomes a little bit less structured. Just be open to it. Look at all the data points that you can see. Cram your mind as full of data points and start looking for patterns like a neural net engine would in an AI computer thing, you know, something like that, right? Like it's going to see patterns in the data. It's
0: not good enough, Lou. I need specific, (laughs) pragmatic frameworks. Steps.
2: I have a pragmatic approach for you. It's not very frameworky, and it's not very specific steps necessarily. But what I have come to recognize is that as much as I would love to be a visionary, I tend to not be, and that's okay because my superpower is actually sitting in between the visionary and the execution. And so what I find is like, who are the visionaries in that space? Because what visionaries do is they like memeify things. They just speak into existence some wild and crazy idea that no one has thought about and absolutely could not just be built tomorrow (laughs) going from what are those like wild out there ideas then taking my pragmatic and effective product principles around what does the user want research feasibility of things and starting to smash those two things together and you can kind of ping pong back and forth between this vision and what users want this vision and what is feasible this vision and what could we do next and then you can start to drive strategy based on market sentiment but I do think there has to be this this infusion of, at least for me personally, in my style, in I need an infusion of someone with wild and crazy ideas. Otherwise I am overly pragmatic and my ideas will only come off of matrixes with ideas someone already had. And that's just like not very interesting when it comes to innovation. <laughs> it probably won't push us into the thing no one thought of yet.
0: The visionary is <laughs> drenched in the market <laughs> and natural tendency is to spew off a hundred ideas. They connect with a Lindsay, how would you classify the in between of the visionary in-between. and the execution?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. How do you classify that? What does it work?
0: But yeah, what is it? So we we know the visionary to the integrator is that right
2: maybe an integrator i, I like integrator implementer right. integrator i think it's a great yeah, executor ex-
1: this is something i've tried to coach like new pms on it's like you don't have to have all of the good ideas you just have to be able to recognize when a good idea is in front of you and that's really the scope of the pm it's like be able to recognize it be able to translate it be able to determine that it really is the right idea you don't have to have You just have to be able to kind of do what lindsay said you can be a visionary pm that's cool you can have a visionary ceo you could have a visionary marketing area you could just be listening to visionary podcasts and your goal is just to be able to be the one that can identify whether or not that visionary statement on that meme is actually tangible or not
2: there's also an element here of ux research as a practice nothing to do with UI design, like UX research itself. I'm Preach. trying to remember what the four components were, but there's like macroeconomic conditions, unmet needs. I think there's a couple other crap. No, I wish I, I have no idea where those notes are, but I remember having this deep conversation with a really skilled UX researcher one time. She had this whole framework for like unpacking it. And now, now I feel like I have a homework assignment. Yes, I do. I'll actually message her after <laughs> like, okay. Tell me what that framework
0: Can we have her on the next one? It would be good to have her on the next podcast. Okay. Oh, that's a great idea.
2: Yes, yes. Okay. I'll message her and be like, please unpack that for us because now that we've talked this through, I'm like, she is the other kind of person that like, I don't think that framework and the way she works replaces where the product piece gets infused, yeah. but it's like very complementary and helps bridge that gap between vision yeah. and execution.
0: There's a lot of, I mean, jobs to be done, Clayton Christensen stuff, Tony Olick, like all of those guys, a very similar type of methodology where you have a person or a customer user and a job to be done. And yeah. then you uncover their underserved needs within that job. How could we do that job for them essentially faster Or what is it? Better and more cheaply. If you can figure out how to do those two things, then that leads into the strategy. So that it's kind of like handling the strategy for more of a customer centric approach, which I think is a component of this and the product management and market analysis and getting deeper. Both sides is going to benefit you overall as a PM. But then knowing how to plug in play, how to make sense of the mess, that's where it becomes a little bit more next level, as Lou's saying, like taking this neural network thing and making sense of it, pulling the right thing out at the right time to do the right activity. And that I think maybe just happens with practice over time, getting better and better as many reps as you can do. I think that's always helpful, but I am still in pursuit of a framework I, here.
1: I think there is a practice element to this and I don't want to drop back on that. You know, In just a quick conversation I was having with somebody, person I was working with, put together a great financial model to do cost reduction across their problem space. And I said, you know, that's really great. Have you thought about projecting this out against the company growth metrics over the next three years and tell us what we'd have in three years or how this would impact us down the line if we did step A, step B and step C? She was like, oh yeah, that would be great. Those are the things that like over time start to come to you naturally. You start thinking about it. Because you've been asked that question because the CTO or CEO has come to you and said, well, what does that look like in five years so that I can tell the board where we might be? And all of that gets translated into your product craft. And I think that's really the area when getting into like a little bit of the growth discussion for people for advancement, career promotions, things of that nature. There is some level of that intangibility and that experience that comes where like if you put somebody in a senior PM role and they've been in product for a year, they don't have 50 million repetitions of question yet. I think that is why some time aspect is important.
2: There's some letting go that happens when you reach this level too. There's some amount of, I know what I'm validating for, right? When you do market research and you are trying to pick up these trends and et cetera, this is not the time to do your feasibility analysis or figure out how we turn it into a product.
0: What I'm referring to is a little bit more problem space, what we want to focus our energy on.
2: And how do you be divergent and come back together to like, oh, I noticed this, let me go focus more there. And then that led me to this and so then I focus Like it has to be a little bit of like a journey you can't group out I think that's an important part of it too
1: there's an internal prioritization metric that's going on in your head like oh my God, I found that thing. It's super cool. And then you know, like, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now because that's cool. I'm going to put that on my list for something to research later. I think that's also how PMs get really effective at this is they're really good at separating what's truly important for what we need to solve versus what could be important and what might be important in the future. And they can catalog to make them just that much more efficient at distilling.
0: Let's give the listeners a bit of homework based on this conversation. There's so many good takeaways I have here, but I'll go ahead and kick us off. Just even nailing on that last point of problem and solution space, knowing that these two things exist and can be prioritized independently of each other, I think is important to understand that kind of helps Frame how you approach these things. How do you conduct your problem research? How do you uncover customer needs and industry trends and take all of that space and make sense of what is the most meaningful opportunity that we're well positioned as a company to go and accomplish? There's so many good frameworks out there around just product development, but I think that in particular, I know Teresa Torres is working on. There's thought leadership around there to investigate, so you always search for these things and kind of find that out on your own, but if you understand it, it's that simple. There's two sides of the coin here. What problem are you solving for and which is the most important problem to solve? And then how are you solving it? Just thinking of it in that easy context is helpful. And then this market discussion is definitely more focused on the problem. What do you have, Lindsay?
2: I think everyone should spend some time. If you don't already have an input that is related to your industry and outside of your company, you should add one. Newsletter, conference, meet someone in the network. Go get yourself a new input that will give you fresh ideas and perspective on the market you're working
1: in. Lou, what do you got? say recognize that it's part of the job. One of the best things you can do is just tell yourself you got to get out there and research your industry and get to be an industry expert, understand what's around your industry, tangential. That's a problem. If you don't have that knowledge, then solve your problem, which is how do I get it and put the effort in.
0: Thank you so much. Let's link up Lindsay on the UX designer and we'll have her on soon. Hopefully, fingers crossed. And looks like we finished up our coffee. So go level up. This has been Product Coffee produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover. And who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.